The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. You're tuned into another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And first, I want to give a little shout out to all the people who are listening on Castbox. It's a very great way to listen. Anyone can check that out. It's Castbox.fm. And on this episode, we're joined by Bonnie Montgomery. She's a classically trained opera singer, but also a singer-songwriter in the Americana country genre. She's traveled the world singing and performing, and even wrote a modern folk opera. Billy Blythe, written about the childhood of Arkansas, Bill Clinton, who went on to be the 42nd President of the United States. Bonnie Montgomery is right here, and she's got a new album coming out entitled Forever. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Paul. So, where in the world are you right now? Uh, I am in Arkansas right now. In Arkansas? That and, is, mm-hmm. and that's where you're from? Yes. I was born and raised here in Arkansas, and it's kind of my home base uh, when I'm in between places, so that's what I'm doing right now, preparing for the album release and tour in about 10 days, so... Uh, I'm also based in Austin, Texas, uh, a lot of the year, so it just depends on what time of year it is <laughs> and where I am on that. Well, tell us a little bit about Arkansas life. What What's it like growing up in Arkansas? Well, when I was growing up in Arkansas, I feel like it was pretty different than it is now, but it was very slow-paced. It was very southern and community oriented there was music all around me growing up everywhere i went and um it was a very idyllic place to be raised in my opinion because we had free run of beautiful spaces and farms and i got to ride horses all the time and my parents and my grandparents and my aunts and uncles all owned businesses down on the court square in my hometown so i had a very Mayberry style childhood that I'm really thankful for because I could just walk from school to downtown and go wherever I wanted. And, um, I had a whole community of people that encouraged me, especially in music. And, um, that was my, my experience of growing up in Arkansas. Now it's changed a lot in my hometown because of, uh, gas industry and fracking and, uh, large corporations moving in and all of those trends that have happened across the country, of course, hit my small town too. So it's really different. And, you know, when I was growing up, the political and, and social climate in Arkansas was very, uh, moderate. It was traditionally a Democrat, uh, leaning state. And now, uh, those, those statistics and things have changed a lot too. So. That's that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> and what about musically? What are your most vivid music memories growing up? Well, I was so fortunate to have a family that was very musical. Every single get-together we had was centered around music. My family owned a music store, still does. So we had lots of instruments in the home and at the store, and lots of music friends who love to jam and get together and uh, 
play impromptu. So every birthday, every Christmas, every holiday was a jam session. So I was very, very fortunate to just grow up thinking that was totally normal. And of course, to have all of those musical instruments at my disposal, you know, I think I picked up and tried every single instrument in the store eventually and really gravitated towards piano and, and voice and guitar. So yeah, I was really lucky to have that as my background and my family encouraged me and got me lessons. And so I started to study formally and really took to that. And there was just music everywhere in my life. It was a, a major, major component of life. And I was lucky that my grandparents who started the music business believed that music brought people together, that it helped with community. It helped uh, with people's spirits and to bring people out of hard times and bring people together. And um, so it was really, really active musically. And of course I was surrounded by the country gospel folk bluegrass music. That's just kind of naturally always in the background in a lot of places in the South. And, but I also had exposure to, different genres like classical and um, I was really lucky to have that too. And you're classically trained as an opera singer. What kind of Mm -hmm. inspired that? I was just moved by opera at a really young age. My first opera that I saw, I I think I was 16 and it was at this uh, sort of small state university in bb arkansas (laughs) i don't even know why i remember this location so well that i remember seeing la boheme it was excerpts of la boheme and it was a a traveling company that had come through and was doing it on this tiny stage in this little auditorium and i was moved i was just moved to tears i had never seen anything like it and never seen anything so beautiful i I was just blown away and I just started being really interested in other operas and, and what it was and, and what the trends were and the main composers and stuff. So it was sort of a, a nerded out big time. <laughs> and, and I was already a big fan of symphonic and piano music and then opera just kind of caught me after I saw that first, first performance of La Boheme. Do you have a favorite opera? Is it La Boheme? Oh, man. I've seen so many now. I, I've seen operas all over the world, and I try to catch one every time I'm in a big city that has a good company. You know, I hate to say it, but La Boheme, I've seen it probably up to 10 times now at, like, the Met and at um, the Vienna State Opera, and it it's still, you know, it's, (laughs) it's like the, the pop music of the classical world. Puccini is sort of looked down upon by the real intellectuals in the field, but um, I just love La Boheme. I don't know if I could choose really easily, but that one definitely stands out. And tell us about some of your favorite recordings, maybe in the genre that you're most associated with. Country music? Yeah, country. Mm, Some of my favorites. Well, I've talked a lot about Willie Nelson lately because uh, his album Phases and Stages 
was a huge influence on this new album that we're putting out uh, forever because it's a concept album, uh, which in my opinion means that there's a concept that unites the whole, the whole album as a, as a work together. So Faces and Stages is like that. And so is Forever because it has a theme that recurs in different variations throughout. So Faces and Stages is a big album that I adore. Uh, right now I'm still hooked on Sturgill Simpson's Meta Modern Sounds and Country Music and his album before that, High Top Mountain. Those two speak to me a lot more than others. And uh, Dale Watson albums, uh, he's put out such a huge body of work. Um, you, you know, there's several of his that I really love. And I'm just trying to think of what's on rotation right now in my vinyl collection. I love Roy Orbison. Uh, I have his box set and I'm, I'm just really interested in lots of the classic country musicians. That's what I usually listen to when I get my choice of country music. And, um, but there are a lot of great singer songwriters and outlaw country musicians out there. I got to share the bill with Dallas Moore recently and I really dug into his music and this guy named Richie Albright out of Texas and uh, Jason James is a huge and I'm just a huge fan of Jason and um, yeah there's just so much great great music coming out right now that it's kind of hard to to narrow it down but if I have my choice and I'm at home listening to vinyl those are my top ones right now. What misconceptions do you think there are about country music? Hmm. Misconceptions. Well, there's a huge misconception, I think, with the term country as it applies to the new country music that's been coming out of Nashville, I'd say, for about the past 10 years. I don't identify with the, the commercialized music that's been at the top of the charts uh, that's on the major labels coming out of Nashville. I don't even think that it should have the privilege of being called country music. I think that country music is a deeply beautiful, unique American tradition of storytelling. Uh, it blends the Appalachian influence and the blues influence and the Cajun influence and the Texas swing and all of that. And I think this, a lot of this is what they've called country in the past 10 years or so. Uh, is pop music. It's, as one of my friends called it, uh, bad rock bands with a violin, with a fiddle. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm sorry to be so harsh because I think that whatever can unite people, whatever moves people, whatever, uh, inspires people is, is okay. But to me, I'm just not okay with the term country music being put on this music that doesn't sound or look anything like the country music that I grew up with and that my people going back for generations and generations, you know, have, have played. So I think the common misconception there is that this new music coming out of Nashville that's very commercialized is even called country music. I'm really happy to be associated with the Ameripolitan Association, which celebrates roots music and real music by real people on the ground that's genuine and authentic. And uh, 
there's categories within the Ameripolitan Association that are celebrated and they give out awards. And I was lucky enough to be awarded the Outlaw Female Artist of 2016. And that was a huge honor. So they, they honor outlaw music, uh, Western swing, honky tonk, and there's one other, oh, rockabilly. Uh, so those kind of organizations that are grassroots, that are celebrating the hardworking musicians that are trying to keep our traditions going and keep music alive in, in daily life. I think that's where my heart is. And I think the, the misconception um, is when it's not that way. And it's a very commercial, uh, profit-driven uh, product, consumer-driven thing that they call country. So... <laughs> There you go. I could. That's my soapbox right there. So, <laughs> <laughs> I want to turn the attention to this album forever. First of uh -huh. all, what a great cover! That does oh, count for something. <laughs> it really, it really catches your eye. But oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Tell us that's about the photographer album. out of Austin. It's, and her name is Michelle Wagner. I've got to give her props because she's awesome. And was the picture mm -hmm. taken in Austin? No, that picture was taken out in far west Texas in between Alpine and Marfa on a stretch of highway out there. We we went out there to do the shoot because it's so, so beautiful. So beautiful out there. A lot of movies have been shot out there. It's just a very picturesque location. Well, tell us some more about the album. Well, this album was cut all together in one room in Austin at the at Dale Watson's studios, the Ameripolitan Studios. Uh, the players on this album are my Austin-based band. Uh, I have one player that was an Arkansas player that I've been playing with for years. His name is Jeffrey Robson. He's a he's a fiddle or violin player on the album and. But the rest of them were all Austin based and we cut it in a way that I had never, never actually cut an album, which was really, really fast. Uh, I think we laid down all the band tracks in two or three days, all in one room. And then we went back, I went back and did a few overdubs and did some mixing and then it was done. The location of the studio was a big inspiration, I think, because it, it was in Austin. It was sunny and warm, and there was a lot of space outside the studio to, to sit and be inspired and relax. So that was an awesome thing. And, um, yeah, we had been playing these songs out for a little bit. Some of them were brand new, never been played out when we recorded them in the studio. But a lot of them we we played out for a while some of them we've been playing for a couple of years out on the road so it was really fun to to get in the studio and and incorporate all those songs into one one big body of work I, that was my goal that was all of our goals was to make this a cohesive uh piece of art that you hopefully could listen to all in one sitting so it was fun to take uh the song forever which is the title track and kind of break it up and make different variations and in instrumentation and put it throughout the album sort of as a recurring theme, you know, that ties everything together. 
So it was just a whole lot of fun cutting this album. Everything about it has been very serendipitous and lots of weird synchronicity and beautiful coincidence that's gone into the whole process. And my bandmates are not only virtuosos on their instruments, but they're, they're thinkers and dreamers and philosophers. And, you know, we just had such a good time really digging in to make this a true work of art. And I feel like you can hear that when you, when you listen to it, you can hear everybody's passion. So uh, that's, that's a little bit about the album. There's so much more to say because this was my first, big project all on my own. I had a great label for all of the albums that uh, came before this one, but I did not have a label on this one. I didn't have a producer or another creative leader other than myself. Now my bandmates, I have to say, were were pretty much equal in a lot of the creative decision-making, but when it came to the, the actual big picture, that was all on me. So that was an interesting growing process for me in my career. And I'm really happy that it actually ended up happening that way because now I, I feel confident to do it all on my own if I need to. I don't ask singers, songwriters, recording artists what their favorite song from an album is because mm-hmm. <laughs> you almost always get the same <laughs> answer. But I would ask you this. If you could pick a song, and don't tell us what it is, if you could pick Mm -hmm. a song from the album to represent the album, like you only had one to present, what would that album be? And tell me when you have it in your mind. Okay, let me think on it for just a second. That that represents the entire album? Uh, Is that what you mean? That represents or... Not necessarily that it could be that, but t- that that you would most want to present. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. Now, there's got to be a line from that song that you particularly like. Right. Okay. Yeah. Can you sing that line for us? <laughs> oh, that's fun. Uh, let's see. Um, it's, uh, it goes like this. All the things in life that matter are the things I cannot hold. Love appears and then it scatters. Love does not do as it's told. I think that would be the one. Nice. Thank you. You can hear uh, an, an operatic quality in your voice, definitely. Oh, cool. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I have to ask about this this opera that you're, you're known for, uh-huh. Billy Blythe. When I heard about it, I, I, or as soon as I saw the words, I thought I saw Billy Blythe, like Bill Clinton. <laughs> and I'm hoping you can tell us about it. Wow, you might be one of the only people that ever actually knew that was his uh, birth name. But yeah, it is about Bill Clinton. Now, it is not about the politics or the scandals or anything of the kind. 
It's uh, set in Hot Springs, Arkansas in 1959. So Bill Clinton was 14 at that time. And um, I was just really inspired by his story and being from Arkansas and kind of being in the South in this sort of mystical environment of Hot Springs and all the character character building that happened for him during this year of his life. There were a lot of really dramatic scenes in the home that happened to Bill Clinton when he was younger. And um, my friend and I, Brittany Barber, she wrote the uh, all the words for it. And I wrote all the music. And I had just come out of grad school. I was still really, really immersed in the classical world. And when I read the autobiography of Bill Clinton, I just saw these these scenes on the stage in front of my eyes. I could see it and I could hear it too. So I just uh, wrote this thing and Brittany wrote the words and it's a story of the human spirit and the human ability to dream and, and overcome obstacles. And it's a Southern story too. It's a, it's a portrait of a day in the life of someone in Hot Springs, Arkansas in 1959, which was a fascinating era of of Hot Springs history because I don't know if y'all know much about Hot Springs, but gambling was legal there for a lot of years. A lot of the big gangsters out of Chicago and, and bigger places around the country would come to Hot Springs and lay down their differences and lay down their arms. It was a party place. It was, you know, very opulent, rich town for a while. And, uh, you know, it was also an interesting place because it has the healing thermal waters that have always brought people there, even back in the tribal days. And, and even back then, the tribes of different Native American cultures would lay down their differences as well because the water, they would want to, you know, experience the thermal water and, and peace. So it's, a, it's an interesting place. And it's also, Bill Clinton is also a really interesting character. And his mother is a fascinating woman strong, vivacious, uh, larger-than-life Southern woman. And the opera really does center a lot around her, Virginia Clinton Kelly. And anyway, so that's the content of the opera uh, in a nutshell. But the, the journey that the opera has taken has been really interesting because it just took off and it got international media attention before it was even finished. And so... As soon as I finished it, we did a workshop of it here in Arkansas that was just absolutely electric. We did it. We did two performances, one early and then an, a late performance at my favorite country venue, the Whitewater Tavern at, at midnight. And it's a beautiful piece because it can be performed in a really small space. The instrumentation is just cello, violin and piano. And the cast is like 11 people, sometimes 14 if you want a bigger ensemble. but so we did it there. It, it was it was one of the most memorable experiences of my entire life, especially my musical life. And then it went on to be performed in New York City in a, in Hell's Kitchen. Then it went on to be performed in Ithaca, New York at Opera Ithaca, a very cutting edge, amazing company in Ithaca. And then it was performed at my alma mater, OBU, here in Arkansas, which was a huge honor. And then it was also performed by uh, Opera and the Rock and other little companies. And it's still being used out there uh, for workshops and scenes. And uh, a lot of singers 
They'll use the arias for auditions and things like that. So I, I believe that the life of that opera has just begun. Classical music has a larger time frame for success than than a lot of other genres of music. So I'm not really pushing uh, Billy Blythe at the moment because I'm pushing my country music so hard, but I'm not worried about it. I feel like it's got a life of its own that um, I'll continue to, I'll continue to watch in amazement, honestly. And I would love to write another opera. I have several other ideas, but you can probably imagine that I've been sort of preoccupied with touring and recording country music. So though I'll live long enough to to see all of it come to fruition. I'm curious, do you know or did you ever hear any word from Bill Clinton? Uh, he never made an official statement about it. I do have a friend who was filming him in his New York office in upstate New York, and he had a poster at least at that time for Billy Blythe hanging in his office. I definitely, because Arkansas is such a small state and Clinton's library is here and he has a residence here, it's pretty easy to get a message to him in, in certain ways. And I definitely did. And they never made an official statement about it. I think that they were probably concerned that it was, you know, too personal maybe or, or possibly a negative image of Clinton. But I would love for Bill Clinton to see it someday, whether I'm there or not, because just to see how inspiring his story was to to so many people and and to see this operatic interpretation of of his spirit, I would love for that to happen. Now, it does it does feature some really uh, probably upset occurrences that happened to him as a child. So. I would never want to offend anyone or or have him I don't know have have negative feelings because of seeing the 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 opera but I do hope someday that he can see it and just see how he inspired someone Working our way back to your album Forever Mhm When someone listens to this album what is it you want them to get from that experience Hmm. I would love for listeners to feel empowered, uh, uplifted, and feel a positive feeling about life and uh, just be moved by it. That's what I hope anytime I listen to music is that it moves me and inspires me. So that's what I would hope. For this album I hope it gets you up dancing sometimes and I hope it gets you thinking and um, you know that's my goal with everything I've done musically is just to try to make the world a better place and so if my if the, this new album can make you feel something or especially make you feel something positive then I, I feel like my job is done on the note of positive what is mm -hmm. the best thing about being Bonnie Montgomery? <laughs> oh, wow. The best thing? Uh, I'm a Leo uh, woman. There's a lot of great things about my life, so it's hard to, <laughs> to narrow them down. The best thing, uh, I think, you know, off the cuff, I think the best thing that 
about my life is that I truly value every single day of life. And I know that it's not a permanent thing and that it's fragile and it, we get one shot, you know, at, at this life. And I think I, because of a lot of things I've been through, I'm just going to be honest and say I, I've had a lot of near-death experiences uh, in my life, a, a lot more than other people that I, well, you can't really compare those kind of things, but I've had some, some major experiences that made me very physically, viscerally aware of the the mortality that we all have and the beauty of of this life and how amazing it is and how wonderful and and complex it can be. So I'm just I think that would probably be my the the best thing I've got going is that that that's something within me that I could never change. I'm that's part of me every day when I wake up. I realize that, you know, we're only here for a while and hopefully it's it's a beautiful journey. Anyone out there can visit the website for more information. It's bonniemontgomerymusic.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Yes, thank you for having me. My pleasure. All right, well, thank you very much, and until next time. Thank you, and I just want to say thanks so much for the Pete Seeger interview and the Pig Robbins. I just enjoyed those so much and everything that you do, so appreciate it. You're very kind. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you. you made me smile. Uh-huh. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time.